As I was praying over the gospel uh, for this weekend, I had this image that came to me. I don't know, have any of you ever seen a tapestry? You just raise your hand. Have you seen a tapestry? That's good. There's quite a few people. Okay? Tapestries, for those of you that don't know, they're, they can be any size, really. But the ones I'm thinking of are in the Vatican Museums. Uh, they used to hang in the medieval castles uh, or in the papal court. And they were, they're huge. They're like the size of that entire wall over there. They're massive masterpieces of art. And there's an extensive, extensive collection of them. They're truly remarkable uh, pieces. But this is how they're made. I don't know if you know how they're made. But they're, they're literally, literally made by like hundreds of thousands of threads. They, they sew these things together. And when you look at the front of them, they're absolutely beautiful. If you ever get a chance to see a tapestry, look at the back. This is the image that came to me. The back of the tapestry is absolute chaos. There's threads hanging all over the place. There's patches of color. If I showed you the back of a tapestry, there's no way you'd be able to tell me what's on the front. No way. There's no real rhyme or reason to what you're looking at on it. You know what it's like a lot of like? Like the front of it is like Renaissance art. The back of it is like modern art. You know where they, <laughs> they just throw stuff onto the canvas. That's what it looks like. And the reason this came to me is because I think it's a remarkable image. You'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to find a greater image of life than the back of those tapestries. I don't know about you, but often my life feels like the chaotic backside. No rhyme or reason. Threads hanging everywhere. We live behind the veil, it says in the scripture. We don't see right. Or maybe we, we don't see correctly. As C.S. Lewis says, we live in this place called the Shadowlands. We're not seeing the fullness of what's actually happening when things are happening. But today in the gospel, we get a glimpse of the other side, where the veil is lifted, where the tapestry's flipped around, and we get to see what's actually coming in this life. That's the transfiguration. I don't know if you caught this, but in the transfiguration, right, there's this cloud that covers the apostles, and then you hear this booming voice of God the Father, and it says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. What does Jesus say? Nothing. God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. What are we supposed to listen to? I mean, presumably everything. But I think particularly the reason the transfiguration happened right then was because of what happened right before it. And I think God the Father is specifically saying, listen to those words. I don't know if you remember, but right before this gospel, the verses just prior, Jesus tells the disciples two things that they really don't want to hear. And the first one is, is that he's going to be betrayed by his friend. He's going to suffer at the hands of his own people and he will be killed. And quite frankly, I think this scares the living daylights out of the disciples. They cannot understand how a man who is so powerful, so loving, who all he does is work miracles and help people, why would he be put to death? You know, it's kind of funny, not funny, but maybe ironic that when, when G Jesus tells his disciple all this stuff is going to happen, he tells them numerous times in the gospel. And then when it happens, they're like, what's happening? You know, the, the Lord's got to be like, guys, I told you this was going to happen. 
And just like, I mean, I sit back and I'm like, how could they, how could they do that? He told them, well, how can we do it? Jesus told us this life was going to be difficult. He told us there was going to be suffering. He told us that we were going to be hated. And yet when it comes, we're like, what's going on? He told us it was going to be like this. But if this isn't enough, he then goes on after saying, I'm going to suffer and die. He then goes on to tell them the conditions for discipleship. Which is you got to pick up your cross daily and follow him. you got to lose your life in order to save it. It gains you nothing to, to profit the whole world but lose your soul. Basically, the life of the Christian is going to be difficult. And we need to be aware of that, all of us. And what this means above all else is that each one of us, you and me, all of us in our own way are going to partake of the suffering of Christ at some point in our life. That's why we have a crucifix at the center of every church. When you come in, it's a constant reminder you're going to suffer. It's going to be bad. It's going to be hard. Remember Jesus said, if they hated you, remember they hated me first. And I know this is discouraging news. Suffer. Who wants to suffer here? <laughs> Raise your hand if you want to suffer. I don't. And we sure as heck know that Peter does it. If there is one thing that St. Peter hated more than anything, it was discipline and suffering. We know that for a couple reasons. Number one, we know it because when Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and die, what does Peter say? God forbid, Lord, that would ever happen to you. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking as men do, not as God does. And then he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and what does Peter have? He has a sword. Why does he have a sword? Because he doesn't want to suffer, he wants to fight. And then today, at the Transfiguration, Peter is standing there, right, and this spectacle is going on before him, and what does he say? I'll tell you what he says in the scriptures. He says, Lord, it's good that we're here, let's build some tents. You want the translation of that? Peter says, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I signed up for. Let's stay here. Let's build tents, camp out on this mountain, and stay in this magic show, this spectacle of majesty, this glory. Why can't we stay here? But they don't stay there. They go down the mountain and into Jerusalem. You can never forget this, you guys. Jesus, never forget this. Jesus did not redeem the world through miracles. He didn't redeem the world through teaching. He didn't redeem the world through exorcism and healings. He redeemed the world through suffering, death, and rising from the dead. And that changes suffering forever. Not that it becomes a good. Suffering is never a good. But it has meaning. Any suffering you go through now is not in vain. Whether it's failure, sickness, depression... Anxiety, divorce, abuse, terminal illness, getting old, worried about your children, addiction, death. It can all appear like those strings on the backside of the staff tapestry. It's just chaos. It's pointless, but God is doing something with that. Suffering is a threat as well. Don't ever forget that. And black is a color that is needed in any masterpiece. And that's the point of the gospel today. One day... God is showing us that one day, all of this, all this mess that we live in, all of it's going to change. One of my favorite quotes, and I know I, I mentioned J.R.R. Tolkien a lot. This is not from the Lord of the Rings, I promise. 
This is a different book he wrote, but he said this. It's one of my favorite quotes. He said, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that one day everything sad will come untrue. The suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that one day everything sad will come untrue. The last word is not chaos. It's not a bunch of strings hanging with no rhyme or reason to life. At one point, the tapestry will be flipped and we'll see the front of it. And what we're going to say is, wow, how on earth did you make a masterpiece out of the disaster of my life? That's what the transfiguration is all about. But will we trust it? You know, as I was on the rabbit hole of tapestries on the internet, I found a poem. And I think this poem just captures everything that I'm trying to say. It's a poem called Life is But a Weaving. It's by Grant Colfax Tuller. He wrote this. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oftentimes he weaveth sorrow. And I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him.